Success, the secret of spiritual success. You see, success, we could define it as a, as a favorable or satisfactory outcome or result. And I'm sure that all of us, that's what we want, that kind of a, of a situation in our, in our life. Many of life's failures are due to the fact that we do not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. A lot of people are that way. I remember in high school I did some calligraphy and I, that was one of the things I wrote. I said uh, to this effect, you know, that, that men, sometimes their failures are when they didn't realize how close they were to success. And then they gave up and so no more success. That's so easy to do, folks. Never, never give up. The road to success is always under construction. Do you agree? There's always construction to do on this road. Caleb brings to us one of the most refreshing stories found in the Bible, I do believe. Uh, his optimism is extraordinary and his quality is worth repeating. The content, and the, or the context, I should say, of this section on Caleb is the division of Canaan among the tribes of Israel. It's very interesting how they did that. There are many, many stories about how they did it, but I believe the most reliable one is that they had a great big urn, and in it were the tribes of Israel. Another big urn over here was all the different territories that were going to be given to these. So they would pick out a name and then pick out where they're going to go, and that was how they decided where they're going to go. And you say, well, that's kind of that's kind of risky, isn't it? Oh, no, not when God is in it. Because, you see, here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 16, 33. Listen carefully. The lot, the lot is cast into the lap. That's another way they used to do it. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So it wasn't a game of, it wasn't a gamble. It's just the way they did it. And God overruled and allowed it to happen that way. And that's the way the land was divided. Well, we go to our outline now in your bulletin. And we find, first of all, we find something about Caleb's commitment. Caleb's commitment in verses 6 to 9. Let me just read those because they are worthy of listening to. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty, I was forty years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. What a great section of Scripture that is. So you see, this is talking something about Caleb's commitment. Now, a, a commitment, we could define it, a commitment as a pledge or a promise to do something. And this is what Caleb's commitment was. It starts, notice in verse 6, with the Word of God. And we won't go back to, to uh, Numbers 13 and 14, but when, when uh, Moses sent out the spies to the land, uh, you will find kind of a, this same story given back there. 
But the commitment that Caleb had starts with the word of God, which is noted in verse 6. He says, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses. You see, everything starts with God's word and goes from there. If you don't start with God's word, you're on the wrong track. See, so commitment starts with the word of God. And it is evidenced by obedience to the word. Now, in verse 7 of our text, it says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me. Well, if he sent him, that means he went. And that means he was obedient. So it, be, it, it shows obedience to the word of God. You see, you may know the word of God, but if you do not obey the word of God, what good is it? That's why it's so important to listen to what God has to say and then do it. Another thing about commitment, as we talk, as we look at uh, Caleb's commitment here, is that it produces godly convictions. In verse 7 and 8, which I read, there are some very, very interesting things there. You see, uh, to Caleb, God was greater than the biggest problem. See, all of his colleagues saw the giants and the difficult situations as they looked at this new territory that God was allowing them to inherit. And... Caleb was, he, God was greater than the biggest problem because notice in verse 7, the word, in my heart. There's the key, you see. It was, it was in Caleb's heart to do what God wanted him to do. Therefore, it was his commitment. And the, the other spies magnified the problem in that, in that way, they minimized God. You see, they, it says, made the heart of the people melt there in verse 7. And that's the two ways you face problems, dear people. You either have it in your heart to do what God wants you to do, or you are going to be like those who did not agree with what they were, the plan was, and their heart is going to melt, and you are minimizing God in your life by doing so. Now... Caleb magnified God, thus minimizing the problem. That's the way we do it, too. It's a very wonderful, wonderful success story. Now, his commitment results in rich blessings. Look at verse 9. I will not repeat it, but you, you see what, what happened there. Uh, the, the rich blessings that God gave him because of his commitment. Uh, I discovered something interesting about Caleb's commitment. It's really interesting. If you look at verse 8... Uh, it will say, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, uh, with me made my, the heart of the people melt. But notice, he says, but I wholly followed the Lord. See, this, was, this is Caleb's testimony of his commitment. Now look at verse 9. You'll see something interesting. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because... You have wholly followed the Lord my God. Isn't that interesting? Caleb knew that he wholly followed the Lord. Moses knew that he did. Now look at, look at verse 14. The interesting thing here. We go over to verse 14. <clears throat> Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because... He wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Isn't that amazing? Do you see the sequence there? So first of all, Caleb knew he was committed. Moses knew he was committed. 
Joshua knew he was committed, and I got one more, and this is rich. I won't have you turn to it, but if you have Numbers 14 marked there, you can look at verse 24. Look what verse 24 says of Numbers 14. But my servant, this is the Lord speaking, but my servant Caleb, because he was a different spirit, has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. And if you go on, you will notice that it says that that God said he was fully committed. So that's a pretty good testimony. Himself, Moses, Joshua, and God. Can you say of yourself, my dear friend, can I say of myself that we are committed? Can we say that? Uh, It means God has all of you there is to have. Can we say that before our holy God today? I trust that we can. Half-hearted Christians are faint-hearted Christians wrote an anonymous writer. How many of you ever heard of D.L. Moody? All of us. Moody was saved at the age of 19. He heard an evangelist by the name of Henry Varley say, The world has yet to see what God can do in and through and with and for a man wholly committed to him. That's what we're talking about today is commitment. D.L. Moody said, as that man preached, he said this, By God's grace, I will be that man. He was uncultured. Moody was uncultured, uneducated, untrained. He was a shoe salesman. But God used him to move two continents for Christ. Why? Because he was committed. So it makes no difference who you are. If you will say yes to him, he will use you. And your commitment will count something for our Lord. I trust that you will do that today, my dear friend. You see, I I, I love what Reverend Robert Ard, who is the president of the Black Leadership Council a few years ago, explains the difference between involvement and commitment. He says, when you look at a plate of ham, dear friend, and a, a, a plate of ham and eggs, you know the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. Isn't that true? (laughs) A Christian without commitment is like a promise made with your fingers crossed. Isn't that a a shame? Friend, are you sitting on the sidelines today? Or are you fully involved in what God wants you to do? Commitment, remember, it means a pledge or a promise to do something. Will you? Well, there's something else about Caleb we better look at. Not only his confidence, uh, his uh, commitment, and second of all, his confidence in verses 10 to 12. And uh, I will just bring out the, uh, the items in that as we, uh, as, as we talk about it. It's interesting, uh, his, his confidence. Uh, confidence means a firm belief or a trust or a reliance to do that which you're going to do. Now, his Confidence was in God who gave him his life. It says that in verse 10. Very, very significant word. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As, and uh, and uh, that's the, the beauty of this man's confidence. The fact that he, that he was, that he, he was in, it was in God who gave him his life. It says, when it says, the Lord has kept me alive, 
And I'll tell you, he kept him alive a long time. He was 85 years old, and that's pretty good. He had weathered the storm or the wilderness, and now he was going to claim something which had already been given him, but now he was an old man, and he was going to take it over. His confidence was in God. He had fought faithfully the seven years of the conquest of Canaan, and now he was going to take that which he had been promised. So his confidence was in God who gave him his strength. It says that in verse 11. It talks about the strength that, that, uh, that God gave him to do that which he was able to do. It says, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Imagine that 85-year-old being able to still go to war and fight. That's what he could, that's what he could do. Um, it's interesting, this man, Caleb, that we are studying today. So his confidence was in God who gave him strength. Now, listen to the scriptures that give us help in this idea about, about uh, confidence. Uh, as, my, as our day, so shall our strength be, Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-five. David said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength, Psalm 18, 1. Another time David said, Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, 1. Psalm 48, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So, so Caleb's confidence was in God who will give him victory. And it says that in verse 12 if you read it. Lord, you promised this to me. Paraphrasing. With your help, I can drive out the giants. What a wonderful, wonderful story. You see, the more we depend on God, the more dependable we find He is. And if you've never tested Him out, why don't you do it, dear friend, and you'll find out it's true. God will help you, and He will be your helper and do things that you can't even imagine. Heaven is not a reward for being a good boy but is the continuation and expansion of a quality of life which begins when a man's central confidence is transferred from himself to God. You see, a lot of us kind of trust ourselves, don't we? But that's not the way it should be done. We should trust in the Lord. One of the marks of spiritual maturity is the quiet confidence that God is in control without the need to understand why he does what he does, said, said Charles Swindoll on, on a certain occasion. Confidence, then, is a firm belief and trust and reliance upon the Lord, and I trust that you do. You know, Adoniram Judson was a missionary to Burma. He spent his first 12 years there in Burma, never had one convert. Twelve years without anyone receiving Jesus. The mission board didn't know him real well, even though they let him go to Burma under, under their mission, uh, Adoniram Judson, of course, is a famous name to us now, but, you know, the mission wrote a letter and says, um, um, Mr. Judson, what do you, what do you think uh, about the future of Burma? Do you, do you think it's worthwhile? They were trying to, I think, very cleverly get him to come home because nothing had happened under his ministry. Here's what he wrote back. He says, he says the, the future of Burma is as bright as the promises of God. He stayed, and of course we all know the story. What a man of God. What a powerhouse for God in that, in that wonderful land. Well, 
So much for his confidence. Now let's go on to the next item, which is uh, Caleb's courage. Verse 12. Verse 12. Uh, I should mention that courage is uh, the attitude of facing and dealing with anything recognized as dangerous, difficult, or painful, instead of withdrawing from it the quality of being fearless or brave. And that's why we want to talk about courage with respect to, uh, to Caleb. And it comes out of verse 12, which is a very interesting verse. Uh, I've read it already. I don't think I will repeat it. Uh, it Notice that he had courage to take the mountain. You see, uh, the mountain was where these giants were, and down in the little town there too. Uh, but it's the, it's the part of the territory that the other spies that went back in Numbers, they did not want to go in and inherit this because they were afraid of the giants. Isn't it ironic that the courage of Caleb is so noteworthy that he was asking for the very thing that the ten, his ten colleagues did not want to do, he was going to do it, and he asked for it all by himself. Amazing. Well, he had courage to take the mountain. He requested this same section that had struck fear to the hearts of the ten spies. I read the other day that uh, Noah, Noah was a brave man to sail in a wooden boat with two termites. <laughs> Never thought of that before. <clears throat> his, courage, his courage gave him strength to do the job. Giants were there. They're called Anakim. Cities were great and the fortified. Caleb was ready to take on new conflicts. His strength, given in old age, was encouraging, as we read in verse 11. He said he was just as strong then as he was when he was 40. Can any of us say that? Well, maybe you're not 40 yet. He, he felt as strong at 85 as he did at 40. Amazing, amazing. How many remember Pete Heinrich Sr.? Remember Pete Heinrich Sr.? He worked at the, he worked at the, didn't he work at the cement factory for a long time? He could, he could juggle those sacks of cement like nothing. When he was in his 90s, he came up to our house at Summit View and chopped wood for our fireplace. He could go to a flagpole and hang on to it like this and stick his body straight out when he was in his late 80s. Anyone around here could do that? What a man, what a man. He was strong. Caleb was too. Well, but it was the Lord's word that kept coming back to him as he claimed his mountain. And it was the one that goes, you'll keep saying, he keeps saying over and over, as the Lord said, as the Lord said. And so the Lord had given him this mountain, so he was going to do it. So when God gives the green light, it gives us great courage to continue. Psalm 71, 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord. Psalm 60, verse 12, through God we will do valiantly, for it is He who shall tread down our enemies. Courage is fear that has been said. No, courage is fear that has said its prayers. I love that. The Bible is a firsthand story of, of a goosebump courage in very ordinary people who were invaded by the living God. How true it is to read the stories of how God used these amazing people. Courage in people is like a tea bag. You never know the strength until they're in hot water. One of the most, one of the most effective 
advertisements ever written appeared in a London newspaper earlier in this century. It read this, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. The ad was written by Sir Ernest Shackleton, explorer of the South Pole. Regarding response, Shackleton said, It seemed as though all the men in Great Britain were determined to accompany us. Say, if God could get a hold of a few of us like that, wouldn't that be wonderful? What would we do in Ferndale if we had that kind of courage? Well, there's another C for Caleb. It's his conquest. Look at verse 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of the Hebron formerly was uh, Kirjah Arbor, uh, and Arbor was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the, the land had rest from war. Well, that's, that's talking about Caleb's courage. Very, very interesting. Uh, like, excuse me, his, the conquest of, of uh, Caleb. That means he was going in to possess that which God had given him. God had given it to him, and now he's going to take that reward. What if there were giants, he said? So what? There were, they were on this land, and he would drive them out by the strength of God. And that's the way he did it. And even in 85 years of age, he was able to do this. What a great story. Someone said, even the woodpecker owes his success to the fact that he uses his head and keeps pecking away until he finishes the job he starts. I love it. The word Hebron that he was given, it means uh, fellowship. A great, a great word in, in, in Bible uh, study. Uh, Hebron, it was associated with the patriarchs. Uh, Abraham lived there when he first came from Haran. Uh, he built an altar of sacrifice there. God communicated most of the covenant relationships with Abraham at this place called Hebron. Uh, the, the promise of the land, the seed, the Messiah. Abraham and Sarah lived there in this town. Isaac and Rebekah did. Jacob and Leah were buried there. And on and on it goes. What is involved with this little place called Hebron, which means fellowship. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. 1 Corinthians 2.14 Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, says Romans 8.37. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, 1 John 5 and 4. Yep, conquest is the act or process of conquering. And I trust that we, by faith, will claim God's help and do that, my dear friend. In the conclusion, I wrote, do you have any mountains that need climbing today in your life? I'll bet you do. All of us do. Do you have any giants that are standing in your way as you climb this mountain? Yes, because we all do. Claim God's promise for victory today and start up the mountain. And God will honor you. Don't make excuses, please. Listen to this man. 
and what happened to him. Early in my ministry, reports uh, a pastor years ago, I met a man, his name was Whirl, W-R-R-A-L. He had been stricken with rheumatoid arthritis at age 15. And when I met him 30 years later, he was totally paralyzed except for one finger. That's all he could move. In fact, we knew a man in the Amazon that only had, that's all he could do, Antonio. He, same, same thing. All he could do was move one finger. They tied a string on it and tied it over to one of the beams on the thatch room hut, and he could move like that, and he'd get his hammock swaying like that. Isn't that amazing? But you didn't play games with that man's mind because he was sharp. This fellow was too. Listen to him. So, he had this one finger that he could use. He could barely speak and was totally blind. But he had a string tied to that one mobile finger that could turn on a recorder. And he wrote for, listen to this, he wrote for national magazines. Authored books and led a happy and influential life from his bed. This was possible because after initial prayers brought no healing, he accepted his lot graciously and said, Well, Lord... If this is the size plot in my life you've stalked out for me, let's you and me together show the world what we can grow on it. Down the path of humble acceptance, world achieved a happier and more useful life within the limitations of very restricted circumstances than most people ever will, ima- will manage with excellent physical health. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing story of conviction and all the things we've talked about this morning and courage. Well, like Caleb, we must be faithful to God at the end of our lives as we were at the start. And I hope that you will, my dear friend. There is no limit to what God wants to do with you and me. And we must not limit Him by our faithlessness. Let's bow in prayer. Father.